My name is Erin Weideman, and you are listening to Heroes for Her. This series features candid conversations with real women who strive to balance their professional acumen with their personal values. Join me as I interview positive female role models who are working hard, loving others, and inspiring the next generation of girls to serve their unique purpose. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Heroes for Her. My guest today is someone I admire and respect so much in the arenas of leadership, influence, and encouraging women. She's an Australian-born, Greek-blooded lover of Jesus, an activist, author, and international speaker. Her primary passion, I love this, is to make Jesus' last command her first priority, and by giving her all to see the lost saved and to build the local church globally. She has a passion for justice and together with her husband, Nick, founded the anti-human trafficking organization, the A21 Campaign, which recently received the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for Social Justice. In 2015, they, they founded Propel Women, an organization designed to honor the calling of every woman, empower her to lead, equip her for success, and develop a sense of her God-given purpose. She is known around the world as a passionate communicator of God's word and his love. It is my extreme pleasure to welcome Christine Kane to Heroes for Her. Christine, thanks so much for being here. Hi, Erin. It's my honor. It's, I'm so pumped to be on this. Uh, well, we're excited to have you. So I feel like we're about to go on a roller coaster ride because there are a few like fun topics I want to discuss and a couple serious ones. So are, does that sound good? Sure. Okay. Awesome. 100%. I, yes. I, I love that we get to celebrate this with you, the incredible work that the A21 campaign is doing. And you recently received, um, early or late last year, the Mother Teresa Memorial Award for Social Justice for, and, and this is so powerful, just simply stepping out and providing the three essentials, food, water, and clothing to refugees and for raising important awareness against human trafficking. Can you tell everybody about the work that's being done through A21 and what it means to you to receive this award? Sure. Well, it was a great honor. I've got to tell you that much. It was kind of surreal being in Mumbai and having Gandhi's great grandson uh, give us this award. I'm kind of thinking I'm watching a movie (laughs) and um, it was like bizarre. But, you know, a lot of uh, really why we got uh, that award was we certainly provided water containers for refugees um, because 85% of all the Syrian refugees that were uh, crossing into Europe were coming one hour away from our headquarters in Greece. So it was on our doorstep. Well, we did in the refugee camps is help to identify potential victims of trafficking because those that are the most vulnerable being trafficked are the ones nobody's looking for and nobody's looking for refugees because they don't know that they're missing. So um, the fact was that we uh, helped 100 Yassidi girls who had watched their fathers be murdered in front of their eyes and many of them had been raped themselves. Uh, We Uh, helped identify them. They were being trafficked um, into Europe. And then we rebuilt um, a village for them in northern Iraq with housing and whatever parts of their families were left. So it it was quite huge. Um, But, you know, our whole work with A21, we have 15 offices in 13 countries around the world. And, um, you know, just last week, we uh, finally, we prosecuted a big case in Thailand where 
um, a very, very high public official and police officers. One of them we put away for, you know, 127 years, one for 220 years, one for 300 years because they were trafficking four to 12-year-olds um, in a whole northern region of Thailand, which is almost incomprehensible. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing people rescued every day. We got officers on every continent um, because it's the fastest growing crime worldwide is the trafficking of human beings for sex and for labor. So it's horrific. I think, um, you know, and I've watched you give many talks over the last several years about why your heart stirred for this issue. Um, but I, I think what, what you've at least brought to my attention and what I want to hone in on for listeners here is that slavery, I mean, we all think that the emancipation ended slavery and slavery is alive and well in this day and age. So, I, I mean, your heart stirred for this. Why did you feel, I mean, emboldened to get involved in such a, in such a, a large scale way? I mean, a lot of the times we, we're looking at our day to day going, okay, how do I get involved? Like what small scale business can I do to, to make a dent in this problem? But here you are, you know, you start this campaign and it's really grown and expanded. It's been interesting to see what God's done. So I'm wondering, like, how did you go from, okay, my spirit is stirred for this issue to I'm going to step out and do something in a big way, in a way that's actually going to create the change that we're looking for? Absolutely. Well, let me just uh, say when I started, I wasn't thinking big. <laughs> um, I was just thinking, what's the next thing I can do? It's like all of us, you know, uh, God lays something on your heart. And at first I was overwhelmed, like most of us would be. Um, and my big questions were, but God, what could I ever do? You know, I don't even know what where to begin with this. I mean, this is Russian and Albanian mafia. They kill people, you know. Um, this is like it requires money that I don't have, resources that I don't have. Uh, people that I don't have, knowledge that I don't have. I mean, I started, I felt like um, Moses in the back of the <laughs> desert when the Lord said, you know, I want to use you to set my people free. And Moses said, like, no, no. God, yeah. <laughs> you've got, and I felt, ex- it's, it wasn't like a Bible story for me anymore. It was exactly, but God, are you serious? I just had given birth to my second daughter. I'm like, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'm yeah, the timing's not so kid. good, right? <laughs> but I'm thinking about all this. Um, so like everybody, you get stirred. And then I thought, well, I can't do everything. And mostly I think, especially us women, uh, we don't do anything because we think we can't do everything rather than doing one thing that is actually going to activate something. And so I knew the one thing I could do was I had a mouth. Um, <laughs> God was using me already to speak at conferences around the world. So I thought if nothing else, I pro- I, there's no way I could have imagined what we're doing today, but I knew that I could talk about this. And I thought, well, if I've seen this and I'm a mother and I have two daughters and this has broken my heart, um, then I know that this will break a lot of people's hearts. And I thought, I probably really did think in the beginning, I would like be a spokesperson. And I was looking for an organization that I could be a spokesperson for because I thought, well, I speak and I write books so I can. And so and then as I began to uh, look for organizations, I couldn't find one that kind of had a lot of the values that were very important to me, which is I'm a local church girl, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, for me, it had to be local church. I wasn't really thinking of being Wonder Woman or Rambo. I was just thinking <laughs> um, there's a lot of mums out there that are pretty much overwhelmed with just making life work in their normal life. How can I help plug that normal person into doing just the next right thing without feeling like I've got to pack up everything, sell my children and move to Africa and help? Um, you know, how are we going to make this normal? So because I really couldn't find that, um, out of necessity, I started what I couldn't find, 
And then God breathed on it. And I'm like, look, I'm just like the rest of you, to be honest. Um, when I was standing on that stage in Mumbai, I, I like, I'm not joking. I thought I was in a movie. I'm like, this is not real. Like uh, when God said, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything you could ever ask, hope or think, I'm thinking, I'm living that. This is real. But what A21 really is, to be honest, most of my partners, we have thousands of partners that contribute $30 a month and they're the ones that are that you know the rescues I'm talking about every day we see someone rescued traffickers being put in jail it's those uh, normal everyday people that are just trying to navigate life that go you know what I'm going to sacrifice three cups of coffee a week and I'm going to that's going to make a difference for somebody that's actually who the heroes of A21 are it's those people um, that go I can't do everything but I can do one thing and I'm going to do one thing and I think if we could mobilize more women to believe that their one small thing is actually going to make a difference. The little boy's lunch, a little lunch, uh, five loaves, two fishes. He could have held that back, that little boy, because he could have thought that's not going to feed 15,000 people, but he gave the little. And I have found, and it's not just a nice, cute sermon. It's actually truth. After 10 years, it's those little bits that have contributed to this big thing where we go, oh, my word, A21, 15 offices, 13 countries, Hero of Human Trafficking Awards, UN Awards, you know. And um, I go, yeah, but... At the end of the day, it's just everyday people making a little bit of a difference that together makes a very, very big difference. That's so good. And to watch what God's done to grow and multiply it through just these little simple acts and and consistency and having people step in and get involved. Much of the work that you're doing, not just with 821, but with Propel Women, revolves around activating and empowering women specifically. Why do you feel like God, I don't know, why do you feel like God has you in that Viewing the world through that lens and, and helping women understand their, po- their part, their role in, in tackling some of the world's issues, both, you know, on the side of 821 and Propel. Like, why did you feel like God, what do you feel like God has you doing that, like, as an overarching goal and purpose for your own life? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, I am one. Um, So that's like I am a woman. (laughs) So, um, of course, I'm going to view the lens, my life out of the lens of being a woman. And um, I think throughout history, you know, Jesus has always used women in Luke 8, uh, verse 3. And the Bible says that um, women traveled with Jesus and funded his ministry out of their own means. Um, Jesus's first word when he was resurrected, um, he said, woman. And then why are you weeping? You know, woman, that was his first <laughs> word. And I think uh, the scripture, Old Testament and New, has always dignified women, has always valued women. Society hasn't. And I think right now we can see in our world um, there is just a real rising up where women have felt like, you know, you being used and being abused. And I certainly come from a background, you know, I left, I was left in a hospital unnamed and unwanted when I was born. I experienced sexual abuse for 12 years. Um, so I was very broken. And Jesus redeemed me jesus healed me um and so not only did jesus rescue me but redemption is that he now uses me to rescue others and i think something we have to realize as women of god is it is so important we understand who we are in christ because as we step up and into the purpose that god has for us there are other people on the other side of our obedience there are other people waiting to be set free so if i didn't get free there's one thing about being angry and venting on social media and being so angry about what happened to 
to me. There's another thing um, about being healed. And Jesus heals us. He, do, he understands our frustration. He understands our wounds. He understands our hurt. But he loves us too much to leave us in that pit of anger and despair. He lifts us out of that pit, heals our life, and then gives us a life beyond our past. And I feel that God has given me a voice in this hour through the work of A21, through the work of Propel, because I'm not um, speaking up out of anger and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness, but hopefully out of wholeness and healing. And to say the same Jesus that set me free, he can set you free and he can give you a life beyond your past. And freedom, freedom, of course, was important to Jesus. The Bible says it's for freedom in Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. So freedom is very important. It's not just a byproduct. You know, the scripture says in John 8, if you abide in um, my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free free. So it's not enough just to know the truth. You've got to be set free by it. And I think we have a world that is in a lot of pain, a lot of turmoil. Women have been misrepresented. Women, as we're seeing in every sector of society, have been hurt and marginalized and abused. And there is nothing like the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings freedom to people. And so in a time on the earth where there's a lot of anger, where there's a lot of confusion about gender identity, Jesus, uh, God did not create us genderless. He created us in his image male and female, Genesis one twenty seven says. So I think it's important for us to have the conversation. What is it to be a woman? And what is it to be a free woman? And what is it to be a woman that empowers and loves other women? There's a lot of anger out there. There's a lot of women going, well, I want my rights and I want my corner office. And, you know, that's not really going to get us very far. We need uh, the freedom that is ours in Christ, one that is birthed in love and grace and mercy. And I don't think anybody in history has dignified women like Jesus Christ has. And so I think it's an important message that we have for our generation. Well, I love the the way that you're not afraid to just draw the lines and to reference the lines that are clearly drawn in the in God's word. I want to switch yeah. gears though and talk about fear because you know, we talk about freedom and the freedom in Jesus and that we want we want to redeem and we're we've been rescued so we're called to rescue, but there's this real there's very real real element of fear standing in the way of women to step into their calling, to access the freedom that Jesus yeah. provides, and then to go bless others with it. So I want to talk about the new book. It's called Unexpected. And why why you believe people and women specifically experience so much fear regarding the things that we don't expect and surprising, scary situations sure. that come up. Like Why is fear running rampant in those situations for women, do you think? Yeah, well, I think um, first and foremost, fear is running rampant. It's always been a plot of the enemy. And I think that's why in Second Timothy, um, Paul reminds us God has not given us a spirit of fear um, because, you know, whatever your Christian tradition is, uh, there is a spirit behind fear. I mean, that's why the scripture says there's not a, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. And the way you counteract that is with love, power and a sound mind. Um, but fear cripples us and fear paralyzes us. And I think what the enemy is after always is our faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And without faith, you can't activate the promises of God. Faith is the currency of heaven. So the enemy has always been after our faith. And that's why, you know, scripture says that we've got to fight the good fight of faith. So fear makes you not operate in faith because you just shut down. Fear makes you pull back. Fear makes you go, I'm not good enough. Fear actually tells you I'm not enough. I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. What if? And and that's the big thing of fear. What if I do this? What? And of course, when I started A21, what about my children? What about my marriage? What about our finances? What about, what about, what if, what if, what if? And so I think at some point you've got to make a decision 
where you make what you do know about God bigger than what you do not know about the future. So I think a lot of us feel we've got this false sense that we are controlling the future anyway. So we just think, man, if I step out here, you know, what's going to happen? Like you were a full-time teacher and then you stepped out to serve God in this way. Well, then you begin to think, oh my gosh, okay, what if? What about our mortgage? What about this? What about that? What about your what ifs? And so then at some point, you're going to have to make what you do know about God more important than what you don't know about the future. And that's for everyone. That's It's not that I came with a special dose of courage. Um, <laughs> we all are the same people, and, and I've got to decide that all the time. Every time, you know, two weeks ago we opened a new A21 office in Spain. Well, you know, it takes as much faith for me to open a new office now, office number 15, as it did office number one, because people go, well, you know, Christine, it's okay for you. I'm like, the stakes are a lot higher now. Um, the income is a lot higher now. The, <laughs> the way I have to trust God is a lot higher now. So every new office requires as much faith as the first office. And so I think you never, ever stop having to fight fear. Um, but, you know, I've learned that if I wait, until I stop feeling fear to do what God's called me to do, I will never move because I've always got this, these, but I mean, for want of a better phrase, you know, these butterflies in my stomach going, <laughs> Oh Lord, I really hope this works. You know, there's always that feeling before you jump where you go, man, I thought it would be easier to jump out of an airplane with a parachute on, but Ugh. it never is. It's just kind of like, what? <laughs> totally. I hope the parachute's going to go up. And you know, there's, there's just as much chance this time that the parachute's not going to work as the first time. Um, and so I think at some point you're going to go, well, I'm going to just jump and pull the bar and pull the cord and I'm praying to God that that parachute actually works. And um, I've just learned to jump feeling the fear anyway nowadays. So I, um, I mean, you and I share many things in common, but one of them is thyroid cancer, which I found out pretty recently. Uh, so I was diagnosed in 2007, you know, battled it for a few years. You were diagnosed just a few years ago too. I know from experience how shocking and scary and unexpected news can come and hit you and just, I mean, pour over you in a way that does feel hopeless. And like, for me, I wasn't walking with the Lord. I was, I'm wondering if you could, to encourage people right now, what was it like for you to receive that news? And what did God reveal to you? What did he show you about himself in that season of life where you yourself experienced something that was unexpected? It was scary. You know, it was the fear of change, the fear of the unknown. It, it was affecting, you know, the, the tool that you use to amplify the Lord's message. What was God teaching you about him in that season of trial. Yeah, I think it's major. You know, it's in chapter one, I talk about this in Unexpected because, you know, what do you do when you get those words, Chris, you have cancer? I mean, nobody's waiting to hear that. You know, you know exactly what that feels like. Um, but I knew, and it's, it, you know, I think the Lord did this in that moment. I instantly knew that my fight was not against cancer. It was against fear because fear would have made me just kind of melt, have a meltdown, you know, and so that I wouldn't be able to stand on the promises of God or even have the faith to go through the treatment and the surgery with, with a sense of faith because I still had two daughters. I still do, you know, I still have a husband. We're still running a ministry. It's not that life stops. It's not like you get a cancer diagnosis and everything else stops. No, everything so continues go, on, hey, yes. Everything <laughs> continues. And, you know, I've got 200 staff around the world. I'm running all of that. You go, okay, well, you know, I just got this devastating news, but it didn't stop everything else. So um, you need faith to just keep going through every day. And so if you're in fear, 
you melt down and you actually stop operating in faith. So really what um, I had to do was it really brought me to the foot of the cross yet again. I mean, we're all very aware. I live every day as if it's my last anyway. Um, I think I do. And then you get news like that and you just realize, wow, there's still another, you know, you just go, well, I thought I was living every day. Yeah. And um, so really, again, you begin to think, okay, I know theologically, cognitively that I could, life is but a vapor, that I could be here today, gone tomorrow. But, um, and I know that actually, uh, you know, every day it could be our last day. None of us know. The scripture says you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't, you've got no idea. But it is still, um, it's still like, wow, sobering when someone actually says, well, you have cancer, you know, and, um, but it caused me to really, really, um, again, get into the word in a whole new way. You know, I, I had this, uh, Bible app, a Rhema Bible app that had, you know, um, a hundred and something faith scriptures about healing. So I would find myself three times a day, almost, um, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner that I would just spend, you know, a certain amount of time where I would out loud declare those scriptures and just speak that over my, just to keep my head from spiraling down a negative track. Because I found that if I could say scripture out loud, and confess the promises of God, I wouldn't spend that time worrying about what's going to happen to my daughters, what's going to happen to, you know, because if you don't take every thought captive oh, I know. every second, <laughs> you will spiral. I think the battle, more than the physical battle of cancer um, in my body, it's the mind games in your head. That's where you've got to win the battle. So true. I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you and Nick are, you know, you're doing ministry. He's pastoring a church. You're traveling all the time. You're sharing this message. You're, you're also raising two girls and not necessarily in that order of priority. So how do you see, we have a lot of parents listening. How do you see this message of understanding what fear is and what you can do to counteract it for God's glory? How does that translate to your approach when you're parenting Catherine and Sophia? Yeah, I think it's major because there's so much fear in the world today. I think with um, there's so much instability, so much chaos, uh, world events. I mean, you know, um, there's just oh, there's so much terror, there's so much crime, there's so much violence. Um, being a parent is very challenging in the 21st century, mostly because of the internet and social media. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of crime and violence and terror and natural disasters when I was growing up, but you didn't know about it every second because there was no internet. So um, I was living in Australia. I didn't, it would take a while before I knew what was happening in Northern Europe or North America. Whereas nowadays, you know, there's a shooting in a school within two seconds. I know that it's happening instantly on my phone. So I think for parents, um, I see it as I travel and speak. I've never seen so much fear because they're like, what kind of world am I bringing my kids up in? What does it mean? And I think um, now more than ever, it is so important. That's why I think the message of unexpected, I, I said, uh, you know, when I launched it yesterday, I said, I think I didn't even realize what a now word this would be for um, this generation of parents because there is so much fear uh, based parenting because of what we're seeing in the news all the time. You send your kids off to school and your heart misses a, a beat because you're just like, okay, God, please, are they coming everything back? be okay right. today. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it literally, I mean, you were not thinking that when I was going to school, you know, so there is a reality. Um, I think with just the redefinition of so many things of, of marriage and morality in the world today, you send your kids off and you're like, God, let them be strong in their identity and who they are in you because you know they're going to confront 
20 different identities in one day with their friends at school, with the way people parent. So it is a different world. No matter what anyone says, you know, people go, well, every generation says it was different in my generation. But the fact is, it is different. It is like categorically different. So I think we have to learn, you know, the Lord said to Joshua when he was going into the promised land, he said, only be strong and very courageous. I think we need to uh, speak a message of strength and courage because if we crumble in fear as parents, we are not going to steward our children right. And that's why I think I, I use so many of these stories in my book to go, okay, we're not denying reality because sticking your head in the sand like an ostrich is not going to help anyone. Getting legalistic is not going to help anybody. Sort of running for the hills and stockpiling your, your food and water supplies and hiding your kids for the next 20 years, that is not going to help anyone. So does Scripture speak to today? Yes. Has God anointed us to be parents today? Yes. If God chooses the times and seasons he sets us in, well, he knew we would be parents in 2018 in America right now. He knew how cray-cray everything would be. And chose us for this opportunity, right? Like we were were chosen on purpose to do this now. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You've got to stop and go, well, he didn't make a mistake. No. <laughs> he picked me. In this so there must be a way I can do it with strength, with courage, without fear, with confidence. And that's why I wrote Unexpected. I'm going, I'm speaking straight to that. And I want to speak the faith and strength and courage to you. I'm kind of glad that I'm in a season where I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. So people can't say, well, Chris, it's okay for you. Your kids have grown up or you don't have kids. I'm going, no, 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 no I'm in, I'm it. in <laughs> it with you. Yes. My kids are at school right now. I'm living this and I'm still saying that you can do this with faith and not fear. I yes. really am. And so I think that the only hope, to be honest, the only hope for this generation is Jesus and his word. It is so cray-cray that um, you just go, whoa, it is spiraling out of control. But here's my deal, and I think this is the message of unexpected in a very, very bottom uh, simplistic way. Just because the world and your friends and everyone around you is going cray-cray, you don't have to. And there is a way. Only those things that can be shaken will be shaken so that those things cannot be sh- that cannot be shaken shall remain. Jesus is our rock. What can you expect when the unexpected happens, whether it's a, a medical diagnosis, whether it's something going crazy economically or politically or socially or morally or environmentally? Psalm 119, in the midst of unexpected, Jesus said when trials come, he didn't say if. He said when. So we will have trials. We will have tribulations. He knew the trials that we would be confronting. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you in it. And I think a lot of us want to be delivered from it. But Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to take you through it. And um, I think you've experienced that. I've experienced that, whether it's a sickness, whether it's challenges with our children, uh, societal challenges. I think we've got to look for fresh manner every day in the midst of the challenge. And that's where we're going to find Jesus. His grace is sufficient. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I think out of all of the most challenging, trying situations in my life, the greatest gift is I have found God right there in the midst of it. And without it, I don't think I would have known that. And so it strengthened my faith. It's very powerful. It's so cool too, because he's never like, it's a comfort to me because he's never surprised by anything that happens. Like I can be surprised. I can be discouraged. I can, you know, hit, hit a situation and go, Oh my gosh, that wasn't what I expected. I'm scared. I don't know what to do, but God, like God sees all he, he knows all it, it's all been preordained. So we can rest in that. Like what an encouragement, what an encur- kind of encouragement do you think that is for people who are so shocked and scared and just like have 
this swirling of negativity around some of the things that do come that are unexpected? What hope do they have that God is literally never surprised? Yeah, and I think that's the bottom line. It's not that Jesus suddenly fell off the throne when, <laughs> you know, Wall Street crashed or when something happened politically or when um, a natural disaster happened. It's not like in heaven going, I had no idea that was going to happen, you know, right. so, but sometimes we act like that's it. And that's what um, I think I said that in the book many, many times, unexpected to us is not unexpected to God. It's just like he is sovereign and he is good. What it does reveal to us, though, is what we think about God. And I think that's the big thing is that you go, wow, okay, if I believe that God is good, then I have to believe that even though this thing that's happening to me is not good, God will work this thing out for my good. There's something he's trying to teach me through it. There's some way he wants me to grow. There's something he wants to make me aware of. So it's not that God, because I think the first thing we think when something unexpected happens, we think God has forsaken and abandoned us. And we think that, you know, do do you see me, God? Do you know me? Do you even care? And he's going, yeah, I'm trying to get you to see me in the midst of this. You're going to discover me in a way you never knew me. You're going to dis- discover my grace. You're going to discover my strength. You're going to discover intimacy with me because I think nothing throws us at the feet of Jesus like a challenge we were not expecting. Oh, I think it's amen. just, and then you go, and that would be, I would say that's a huge thing. Um, and out of that, you would never go back. It's like me, like, you know, I would never want to be diagnosed with cancer again, but I don't want to go back to the person I was before I was diagnosed because I went on an intimacy journey with Jesus um, and many of the bad things that have happened to me in my life, I don't want them to happen again, but I don't want to go back to the person I was before it happened because it drew me closer to Jesus. And, um, you know, I think no matter what, there is no easy way through sometimes. You just got to go through. But when you've discovered Jesus in the midst of that valley, you go, oh, I would never not want to go through that valley because I've become a different person. So good. I have loved just getting a chance to connect with you and hear about your heart and just share the themes of this book. It's going to bless so many people. We've got to wrap up though, and I could literally talk to you forever, but um, we do so <laughs> at the end of each episode by asking three rapid fire questions. It's okay. called The Scoop. Are you ready? I'm ready for the scoop. Okay, so obviously Heroes for Her, we love real heroes for girls on this podcast. But when you were a little girl, who was your hero? So many. Okay, um, I did always love Wonder Woman. But in reality, I love Mother Teresa. That's why getting the award blew me away because I've always uh, honored and loved that woman. So good. Second question, what is a piece of advice you've received that has impacted your own life in a powerful way? Yep. Uh, um, don't take, don't uh, be unoffendable is the word. Like don't hold on to offense, let it go. So in the words of Taylor Swift, learn to shake it off. <laughs> I love that song. Um, <laughs> shake it off, shake it off. Um, third That's question. <laughs> if you could have a secret superpower, what would it be? Oh, Gosh, I love that. Oh, yes, to be able to shut my eyes and uh, wake and just instantly be transported to the Italian Riviera or Santorini. Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, I want to close my eyes yeah. and then just wake up and feel like I got 10 hours of sleep. <laughs> oh, no, man. I want to be sitting on go a Greek too. island. That's what I want to do. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. I, I went to Santorini. Oh, my gosh, was that. 
Did I you don't like know, it? 13 years ago or so. I went to Mykonos and Santorini and I did a whole oh, trip wow. through Greece and it was awesome. Um, thank yeah, you so much for being here, Christine. I, um, I just want to give everybody a chance as we wrap up, where is the best place for people to connect with you online, find out more about the book and everything you have going on to, to champion the cause of women? I think anyway, you could go to christinecane.com at Christine Kane on all social media I'm, I'm out there. you won't it won't be hard to find me <laughs> sounds good christine thank you so much again for being here god bless you thanks erin bless you thank you for listening to this week's episode if you enjoyed our conversation please be sure to rate and review us on itunes if you have any questions thoughts about the episode or ideas about how we can come together and support our girls we would absolutely love to hear from you you can email us at hello at biblebells.com just let go.